Amana Pools and Wangi Safari. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and this is episode 349 of the Wild Eye Podcast. Now, it's been a very, very, very long time since I've done a standalone, many reasons. I mean, changes, travel, um, call it self-care, uh, reassessing things, COVID, whatever the case is, but I am quite keen to get back into it, and I've already recorded a few interviews that'll come up in the next episodes, but for this one, I thought, let me kind of take it back to the past where I used to talk through sightings and I used to talk through different safari experiences. Now, a couple of days ago, I came back from hosting a two-week safari to Monopools and Wangi, and during the time we stayed at four different camps, we added Vic Falls at the end of it, and it's an all-round great, great combination, but I thought, let me take you through step-by-step through each camp, the different sightings, what you can expect, what you can't expect, and we can go from there. Now, if I say mana pools to you, the first thing that should come to mind, I think for most of you, is elephants standing on their back legs. It's something that the elephants in this area has done for a very long time, and it's specifically during the dry season when the albedo trees have seed pods, which is basically the lifeline of the reserve, of the park. And the elephants, the big guys stand up and they reach the top, they pull it down, other elephants come and they feed with them on the stuff that's fallen down. So the hero shots that you can expect, the hero photographic moments in monopools is it's these elephants standing up on their back legs. It's also on the floodplains, you've got these beautiful albedo forests. And like any kind of forest, if you there at the right time of day, you get this beautiful blue-green light in the background, which is stunning. And then if you're driving west at sunset or if you can east during sunrise, depending on your layout of the forest, you get beautiful rim lighting and golden haze coming through on top of those blues and greens. It's really phenomenal. It's um, I have in the past, and I'm in full disclosure here, I have in the past felt that monopools can be a bit of a one-trick pony because people go there just for the elephants, right? And there's a lot, not as many as in Wangi, I found, but there's a lot of elephants, right? And the hero shot that we go for is just the one. That's like, for example, going to the Masamara and hedging your entire experience on seeing a cheetah kill and photographing a cheetah kill. There's so much more. Now, Monopools has more, and absolutely, if you go there for the right reason and with the right expectations and the right mindset, you can have a great time. And it's a place where you need to also focus on the details because you do see lions in certain areas of the park, um, leopards you do, but they're not as common. Wild dogs is a thing, but sometimes they're denning, you don't find them. If you take all of that away, and I'm not, I'm not being negative about the place. It's, it's beautiful, and the photography is spectacular. But it's not as much diversity as other reserves. It's very photographic, and it's a great experience because you can go on foot. Now, uh, how do we do this? You can go on foot with an armed ranger. Those are the park rules. Now, a very sad thing happened when we were there a couple of weeks ago. We were at Nyamatusi. I'll talk you through all the camps in a second. But the news started spreading that a gentleman of about 70-something years old was killed by an elephant because he went walking on his own. He was a self-drive person. He camped at one of the many campsites, went out, and yeah, the elephant uh, killed him in the end. Now, from what I've been told on the ground there while we were there, and the news started spreading because the paramedic who was at the lodge where we were staying 
went to kind of deal with all of this, right? And he gave me a quick brief on this and that. And it looks like it was 100% human error. But then some people will say, yes, but he's been going there for 40 years and he's been, he's never had an issue. Yeah, if you play sport for long enough, you're going to lose. And he's been doing it wrong for 40 years then to do it on his own because you need to understand animals, not from a book, but, and you need to have a ranger with you. Those are the rules. So it's a very, very sad thing. And from what I saw there from self-drive people just going to walk around on their own, ooh, it's dangerous. Um, they push the luck. They don't know what to look for. They think it's easy because it's been done before. If you self-drive in monopools, please be careful. Don't be an idiot. Be careful. If you're wondering whether you should approach an elephant on foot or not, rather don't. Or get a ranger. You can pay for a ranger. I think it's $15 a day. And they can help you. And they've got their armed rangers and they can manage the process. Anyway, so where were we? Oh, yes. You can go on foot in monopools. It's a great on-foot destination. However, you don't have to, right? Because you can go on foot doesn't mean you have to. And there's some people and some guys who still advertise it as, oh, yo, we are going to go on foot. Yes, you can. You can, but you don't have to. And sometimes you're better off shooting from the vehicle at distance than going on foot. It just is what it is. Make no mistake, one more time. I love going on foot in the wild. It's a great experience. I did take my guests on foot when we were there now. We had our ranger with us, weapon. So they were good. But it is an experience. But don't force it. Don't force it. If you think experience is one thing, photography is another. Can you, for example, if an elephant's moving in a direction and there's different shots to be had, you can take the vehicle and you can swing around a couple of times. If you're fast enough, you can get out and you can go and do things and come back. If you're after the one hero shot, you can plan, because you can see the elephants kind of feed upwind on the albedo trees. And when they get to a certain area, you might have a safe space. You put yourself there, you can have a great experience. But just because you can doesn't always mean you have to. I think that's a lot of things in life. But anyway, so Monopool's great destination. Wangi is is it's also it's it's more diverse. Um, it's it's based more, especially this time of year when it's hot as hell, about around the waterholes. So there's a couple of main waterholes where you basically do a game drives to and between the waterholes because there's nothing else around. Everything goes there. Great lions, great elephants, and stuff like that. But we'll get there. So let's have a look at these different camps. So. I was there for two weeks, and we stayed at four different camps. Now, initially, it was going to be three, but COVID and lodge changes and stuff forced us to make a change to the itinerary, and it was a great change. The first two nights, we spent at Camp Mana. Now, for those of you that have traveled to Mana Pools with Wild Eye before, you'll know we used to use Dave and Tess from Minilunga. They've sold the company. It's going to be refreshed and come back. But Camp Mana is very similar to that. It's not as and this is a strong word, luxurious, it's very basic. You've got your tent, a bed, it, it's very simple. It's mirror-style tents. The open-air dining hall tent is just like a big gazebo, and it's open-air everything. It was great. It was also a great way to start. You never want to plan an itinerary where you go from a, from a very luxurious lodge down, as in you going down in your luxury, because if you're 11 days into a trip, you've had all these amazing luxury things happen, and then suddenly you're at a camp where you need to use a torch in your room, uh, it's a bit of a thing. So it's a great way to start. So Camp Mana for two days. The guide was great, um, Steve, older gentleman, and he basically put his whole life savings into this camp. So if you can, go and support him. It's a great experience. If you're not looking for luxury, but you're looking for an authentic experience, worth 
a look. Um, Steve has his idiosyncrasies and it makes him an amazing guide. He's very knowledgeable, very, very knowledgeable. But, um, but yeah, so that's that. We didn't have the most incredible sightings. Now, for those of you that know Mana Pools, the camp is situated uh, past, so you get, where are we going? So Trachelia was the one, and I think we passed Mucheni one, if you keep going. He's got a campsite down there. So for those of you that were at Dave and Tessa's camp with us, if you come out of the driveway as such, hit the main road, turn right for a couple of kilometers. That's where this camp is situated. It was very quiet on that side. We, the, 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 the floodplain in, in front of that lodge or camp, beautiful. There was always water bucking and parlor and elephants and hippos in the distance. But on drive, we didn't see lions. We heard them one night, but that area right now is void of lions. There's no prides working that area. So we had to drive. We didn't see lions out of Camp Mana. We had to wait for our next camp. But we spent the majority of our time on and around the floodplains looking for Boswell, the big guy who does the standing on the back legs thing. So elephants were great. We spent a lot of time at the water pools, um, hippos, I almost said giraffes, there's no giraffes there, hippos, uh, baboons, crocodiles. So it was a different kind of photography. And in a way, looking back now, it was a nice way to kind of warm up and get going. So from there, we did a transfer to Nyamatusi. Now, Nyamatusi is part of the ABC, African Bush Camps Collection. And the rest of the trip, we stayed only at ABC Camps. Great company and really, really some great lodges. Now, Nyamatusi sits way, way past. It's, whew, which direction are we looking at? So I think it's west, if I look at it. And it's very different environment. You, from Nyamatusi, you probably have to drive about 30, 40 minutes to get to the floodplains. So because we had a camp in the floodplains or close to the floodplains on that side, we didn't go. We drove to the other side. Now, Nyamatusi is very luxurious. It's a great, great camp. So if you're looking for a good combination of views from your room, Good service. Michelle at ABC's Nyamatusi was phenomenal. She was our hostess there. Uh, TK was our guide, also phenomenal. And we spent a lot of time driving towards the Chiquena camps, towards where and beyond and those guys are, because it was pretty quiet around camp. We heard lines, we saw tracks, we didn't find them. Luckily, on the first day, first afternoon, there was rumors of a an, an eland kill. So a pride of lions brought down an eland. That sighting saved us for the first couple of days because we were basically there for three full game drives, maybe four we checked in. And the way the sighting developed from them feeding to a bit of intensity to the next day, hyenas hanging around, then the vultures came in. So that sighting in a way saved us for the first few days because it was very quiet otherwise. Uh, one of the other elephants, Fred Astaire, was in camp as well. The, the, the reason for his name is... He also does the standing on the back legs thing, but he sometimes does a bit of a triple, like forward, forward, back, back. It's like a cha-cha. So, so it looks like he dances a little bit, right? So he was in camp, but he didn't do anything for us. We saw, I think, more elephants in camp because it's a big open area than we did out on drive. And after our Irland kill for a couple of days, we did find the local pride as well, two males and I think six females, which made for some good photography. Uh, on the last morning was probably the second best sighting of lions we had that whole trip. Uh, well, at, at the Nyamatusi part at least, where we found one of the male lions who took, we didn't see this, but he took a kill from a leopard and we arrived at just as he started eating it. So we watched in detail. <laughs> For those of you who don't understand, it must sound quite gross. But he, he, we, we watched in detail as he basically worked from the rib cage up towards the head and the precision with which he de-skinned this thing was just phenomenal. So that was great photography. From there, we made our way to 
um, African bush camps Kanga. Now, Kanga is inland. It's not on the Zambezi River. All the other ones I've spoken about so far is on the Zambezi River. Kanga is a camp. It's about an hour and a half, two-hour drive inland away from the river. Now, on the way there, we saw sweet fuck all. We saw nothing, right? Even the birds were dead. Because the coldest day on our entire trip was about 41 degrees, which is about 100, 105, 106 degrees Fahrenheit. It's pretty hot. So the drive there was quite tedious. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, everybody just wanted to get there. But once you get within like a kilometer of Kanga, you suddenly, it's like, I almost wanted to say like a, a utopian paradise of wildlife, but it's a bit harsh, but much. But the main reason you go to Kanga is not for game drives. We didn't do a single game drive out of Kanga. They have this massive big water hole. Some of it's mud pool, some of it's dry. But they've got this massive water hole that they pump and feed throughout the day. So these elephants are lit. And I kid you not, you can sit at your dinner table and touch an elephant. That's how close these things are. Don't, but you can. They also have this beautiful photographic hide under the deck in which we spend most of our mornings and afternoons. Now, for those of you that have spent time at an African waterhole, you get this ebb and flow happening where sometimes in the morning things come in, then there's a quiet spell, then the doves come in and there's a quiet spell. I shit you not when I tell you that apart from one often, one morning when it was pretty cool, the other days there wasn't, and I'm not joking when I say a single minute, when there wasn't something, some sort of big mammal at that waterhole. Elephants, baboons, buffalo, uh, impala. It is phenomenal. It is super productive because there's literally no water anywhere close by. So Kanga was great for that. We had all the elephants. They've also got a swimming pool, which they fill up for you. And then you can swim in it and the elephants drink in it from the same time. Uh, it's a novel experience. It's pretty cool. You get some nice selfies and stuff. But the photography from the hide is great because you get time to settle in. Very different from a game drive, very different type of photography. But it does create a nice diversity and portfolio uh, of your trip. Now, even some of my guests who really dig the game drives, all of them do, they were happy to stay, and that says a lot. So you can sit in the hide, you go upstairs, have a drink, come downstairs, shoot some more, go and have lunch, you can photograph with your iPhone from the top down onto the elephants who's drinking right next to you. It's cool, it's really, really cool. The camp itself is also Miro-style tents like, like Camp Mana was, but way more luxurious. Nyamatusi was more than this, so we went from a camp to luxury, to a luxury camp, and then the last camp we moved to was Somalisa Expeditions, which is in Wangi. Now, all of the camps so far, Camp Mana to Nyamatusi to Kanga, is driving distance. You, you do transfers. To get to Wangi, you have to take a bush flight. Now, as far as I can recall, for me personally, I don't think I've ever had a longer bush flight. I've done it a couple of times now, from Mana Pools to Wangi. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. That's a hell of a long time, right? That's a hell of a long time in a small plane. Now, it's an it's a eight-seater caravan, so it's comfortable, but it's a long time. It's very, you don't get chicken or beef or there's no movie. It shakes around a bit, so it's a long flight. Getting to Wangi's great, you land at Manga at the airport, at the airstrip, sorry, Jerry, not an airport. And you then do the transfer 45 minutes to into, well, it's a game drive, into your lodge. Now, Somalisa has three. They've got Somalisa, Maine, and Acacia, which are two luxury lodges with buildings, uh, still tent vibe, and they are kind of back-to-back with the infrastructure in between. So the kitchen in between, the offices in between, but the two lodges kind of face away from each other. Then you've got Expeditions, which only has six tents, 
but these are super luxury tents. Most of my guests said this was their favorite camp because it's a building slash tent main lodge area with a fire pit in the front and they've got an elephant kind of drinking whole pool thing in the front. And from the lodges, you view out onto this kind of little valley area where there's a lot of action up and down. Now, the food at, 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 at Somalisa was next level. I don't know what the chef did, but he did it right. All the food was great, even at Camp, um, at Camp Mana, which was very basic, but it was great. So the food was all around great. At Somalisa, we focused on cats because we didn't have too many cat sightings apart from our Eland kill uh, earlier on in the week. So there was a couple of things. When we... There's a, couple, a pride of 14 hanging around the Samalisa area. And then up towards Shingweta. Shit, I should remember the name of this waterhole. We spent most of our days there. Big open areas, lots of waterholes. And there was also, so there was a female with two very, very young cubs. And a pride of about six to eight um, at that side. And then the two males that floated around as well. So we drove up there. We did find the cubs. Beautiful. I think they must be about maybe two months, six weeks to eight months. Six weeks, eight weeks old. And then on the first after, was it morning or afternoon? It was the first afternoon. We went back to the Pride of 14 and we spent time with them because they do get mobile and they did look quite skinny, so they were going to hunt. We spent as long as we could with them. They went into the bush. We spent time. We had a drink waiting. They didn't come out, but we knew, we said they were going to kill a buffalo because they were heading towards a waterhole. There was a herd of buffalo. Next morning, we go to the water hole that's right next to camp. And as we get there, there's two lions walking in. We watch them, they drink, they go back. Now, if lions come in from an area that drink and go straight back, it's often a case that they have a kill and they come and drink and go back to the kill. So we followed them off road all the way and we found the buffalo kill that they made. And that anchored us for the next two drives. That morning we spent with them, 14 lions on a buffalo kill. Now they, they obviously feed in hierarchy shape. There wasn't a big male, but the females, my lord, my god, the, the, the size of these girls in this pride was ginormous. I mean, they are massive girls. There was a couple of, of sub-adult males, like two, three years in there as well. So this was great photography. With the afternoon, we went straight back, spent the whole afternoon with them there. And to see how they, they, they panel-beated this buffalo to nothing in, in a day was just amazing. So that was great, great photography. The next morning, we went up to Chris Pan where they've got a little hide thing built where you can have coffee and you can shoot low down of all the elephants, literally all the elephants at this pan. The following couple of drives was pretty quiet compared to what we've had. We did see lions, like sometimes far off. We tracked them one morning, which was great. And on the very last morning, we decided to not go out on drive because now you have to go start planning to travel and this and that. And we heard lions calling from about four that morning. And the entire 14 came and went to the, the lodge waterhole, which is about 400 meters off to the side. Some of the guests were ready. They jumped in the car. They went. I got the call. I was about to get in the shower when, uh, when, when, when Dixon, our guide, came and said, we must go. So I'm like, no, it's fine. Go get them. So the people got some great images and, and video of these cats up on dead logs next to the waterhole. Came back. And from there, we flew to Vic Falls. Now, most of the people spent two or three days because of flights and or their following stage of the journey. I had to spend one night for the PCR test and then wait for the results and fly out the next day. So that afternoon, I got to my guest house. Everybody was in different lodges and things. I was at this uh, guest house called Bayeti. It was great. And I spent some time just downloading images because I didn't on the trip yet. Uh, catching up on emails, doing all those things. And then 
Mitch, one of my clients, myself, smoked a cigar. He's into his cigars. Now, I smoked uh, while we were at, 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 at Kanga. And we spoke about the cigar thing and how it's a cigarette is something, and I've never smoked cigarettes in my life, but a cigarette is something that you go outside, you smoke quickly, and you carry on. Or I'm going to have a break, a break. A cigar, and I love this, Mitch, if you're listening, this, the idea with a cigar is of that's 40 minutes to an hour of your time. This now, until this thing is done, I'm going to sit on my own. I'm going to be alone with my thoughts. I'm going to have a nice chat about anything. I'm going to enjoy a nice deep scotch, whatever the case is. So Mitch, that was amazing. Thank you for that. Um, I had some cigars back home, but then while I was sitting at Bayeti, I thought, let me just Google, can you buy cigars in Vic Falls? Anyway, long story short, long search short on Google, I found Mosiwatunya, which is the local name of Vic Falls, which translates to the smoke that thunders. There's a cigar brand called that, Mosiwatunya, I think, yes. So I'm like, holy hell, this is pretty awesome. So I go to the guest house, the um, office, and I said to them, listen, guys, can you show me where to buy this in Vic Falls? I'll be very impressed. They made one phone call to a guy named Farouk. Farouk, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, no, come and I have them. He runs Likorama. So I went to Likorama and I bought one for Mitch and for myself. And then we had dinner at Three Monkeys. So if you're ever in Vic Falls, Three Monkeys, great spot for dinner, some good stuff, a nice location, very central. And then I flew home the next day. And that's really the trip. So a couple of thoughts. It is nice to combine different lodges during a safari experience because you have different experiences, both from a lodge point of view, staff point of view, food point of view, which then complements the nature experience, the wildlife experience, and your photography. Remember that when you travel in different lodges to always try and scale up, don't scale down as you go. And what I do also find nice now, and this is a weird thing, but with COVID, people have to PCR test before they fly home. So there's this forced additional night, unless you get tested at the camp, right, which we do in the Mara camp. But there is something to be said for after your trip, not running straight from the lodge to the airport, into security, into a 14, 15, 24-hour travel day, but getting to a little bit more civilized place, like, for example, Vic Falls or Nairobi or Maun, spending one night, and it's just, it makes you decompress a little, just exhale, but you're not home yet, right? So it gives you that nice balance. And it kind of helps you to come out of the safari blues before you get home. It just, it, it makes the transition a bit easier. I know for me, whenever I leave Svalbard, it's, I get serious Arctic blues when I come back from Svalbard because it's such a big, overwhelming experience that you can't just go home. So I normally try and spend a night or two extra in Longyearbyen, in the little town, and maybe in Oslo. So you're kind of slowly getting yourself back to normal life. But Manapools and Wangi, great destinations all around and highly recommended if you're looking for something different. As long as you're not going there to experience Big Five at scale, okay? because you're not going to get that. If you go in with the right expectation, and please chat to myself or one of the Wild Eye guys, let them help you through. We've got a lot of combinations of safaris that combine those destinations and different camps and things. But if you go in with the right expectations and an open mind photographically, it really, really is worth it. So that was my third last trip for this year. I'm now running a Mala Mala private with Linda. Linda, if you're listening, hi, um, in middle November. And then I've got the last trip for, that I'm doing for this year in, the, I think it's the last week of November, which is the wildlife photography workshop out of the Mara camp. And then I'm done. And then my next trip, at this stage, 
is only Svalbard in May next year. Now, I've done this by choice. Um, number one, I want my guys to be in the field more. I want them to start taking the higher profile trips. But also, I need to start focusing on some other aspects of the business of WildEye and also of a new sideline thing that I'm going to start pretty soon, but more than due course. Uh, obviously, I'll take privates and stuff in between. But yeah, it's been a great travel couple of weeks and I've got two trips left and then it's December. Can you believe it? It's like, we, we are, where are we? we more than halfway through October. It's madness. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. If you have any questions on any of the camps, any of the sightings, travel plans, you need ideas or just comments, love to hear from you. My social media channel, Jerry Fennevolt, pretty much everywhere. And my email, Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, at Wild Eye. That's two words with a dash in between. So W-I-L-D-E-Y-E dot C-O dot Z-A. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. For now, though, I'm going to say goodbye Wherever in the world you are, good morning, good evening, and good night. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Have a good one.